you have to check in with how you are feeling, how you are talking, how you are behaving. Because that person with dementia, even though they may not be able to understand what you're saying or even seem like they're present, they do feel the energy of you. They feel your mood. They respond to your attitude. They respond to your facial expression, your body language, your tone of voice. And if they don't understand what you're saying, then change the way that you say it. Hello, and welcome to the Age Stage Podcast, where it is our mission to equip you with the resources to navigate life's challenges, empower you to make critical choices with the ones you love as they age, and enrich your life with a renewed sense of self-worth, self-confidence, and peace of mind. I'm your host, Dr. Cheryl Matthew. I am happy to bring you the third in our Age Sage series with Dr. Karen Josephson. Diagnosis, dementia, now what? As a board-certified internal and geriatric medicine doctor, Karen Josephson works with older adults and their families. In this episode, Dr. Josephson offers practical guidance on being with someone with dementia or Alzheimer's when the changes in their brain call upon you to change your behavior. Using these tips will decrease your stress and allow you to offer compassionate care. I'm really happy you're joining us. I think you'll find hope and encouragement from Dr. Josephson's guidance. We'll get rolling right after a word from one of our sponsors. Every passage in life has its ups and downs, decisions and transitions, a beginning and an end. I invite you to navigate life's journey like an age sage, fully living, learning, and loving. As we care for our aging loved ones, we also need to make time to care for ourselves. So this is our safe space to share challenges, wisdom, and joy along life's adventure. I'm your guide, Dr. Cheryl Matthew, and this is Age Sage. Welcome back, Dr. Josephson. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. As we've talked about in other episodes, sometimes caring for someone with dementia or Alzheimer's can get really frustrating and confusing because the person doesn't respond to us as they normally would. Sometimes they're repeating things or sometimes they don't follow instructions like they used to. And I'd love for you to share some guidelines and tips of how to communicate with someone when they're not processing like they used to and ways that can decrease our stress and increase our peace of mind so that we can offer the best care for our loved ones. Since we were talking about taking care of yourself, you have to check in with how you are feeling, how you are talking, how you are behaving. Because that person with dementia, even though they may not be able to understand what you're saying or even seem like they're present, they do feel the energy of you. They feel your mood. So when you are frustrated and overwhelmed, they're going to start getting agitated. And so one technique is if they're agitated is just to sit down and breathe slowly and deeply and just breathe that way. And you calming yourself down will calm them down. And if you are frustrated and overwhelmed, leave the room. Get yourself together. 
and then come in with a smile on your face because they will change their mood. Their level of anxiety will go down when you calm yourself down. They respond to your attitude. They respond to your facial expression, your body language, your tone of voice. And if they don't understand what you're saying, then change the way that you say it. Also, don't ask open-ended questions. That overwhelms them. They can't make a decision. But what you can say is, do you want to do this first and this second? Or do you want to do that first and this second? Or just yes-no questions. That they can handle. Break down commands into single steps and cue them. So if you want them to put on their pants, you say, okay, sit down, put your right leg out, and you touch their leg. You say, this leg, put this leg out. Okay, we're going to put this pant leg on. You do it step by step. If they are nonverbal, follow their demeanor, their facial expressions, their behavior. Look at them directly in front and speak slowly. If they are hard of hearing, lower the pitch of your voice. A higher frequency voice is harder to hear with hearing loss associated with older age. The most important thing for these people to feel is safe. So always reassure them that they are safe. And if they're constantly wanting to go home or looking for their mother or things like this, this is indications that they don't feel safe. So reassure them. You say, she's going to be home soon. We are here taking care of you. She asked me to come do this for you. Don't argue with them. Don't try to say, no, this is what really happened. And think about it this way. So if somebody forgot that their mother died, and you say, your mother has died, she's not here, they are going to go through that grieving process all over again. Yes, they're 95 years old. And I've actually, with some patients, reasoned, I said, okay, if you're 95, then how old is your mother? Oh, she'd be pretty old. I said, yeah. And that's why she's not here, you know? But it's just for somebody who would be grieving because their mother's gone, don't remind them all the time. Just say, she's in the other room and she'll be coming by later. Reassure them. If they wander, position locks on the doors higher or lower than usual because they'll reach out for the normal height, but they won't look to look for the latch on top of the door. Or you could put a barrier on the floor, like a caution tape or stop sign or do not enter sign on the door because they'll respond to that warning. Sometimes putting a black space or black mat on the porch, they'll think it's a hole and they won't want to step on it. You can apply child-safe plastic covers to doorknobs. You can remove the knobs from the stove. Don't leave them alone if they're not safe. And you could use baby monitors if you have to leave the room. Have them wear an ID bracelet or necklace. Disable the car. Hide the keys, sell the car, and when they look for it, say it's in the shop. Because just telling them not to do it won't help because they're going to say, oh, I don't have a problem, or they'll forget that you even told them. 
it's best to keep them in a routine because even if they don't know that they have this routine, their body somehow remembers and that motor memory is different from cognitive memory. So that's how people who have dementia can go through rehab and get better from like, let's say, hip fracture, even though they can't remember that they did the exercise the day before. So you keep a routine. They sleep at the same time, eat at the same time, toilet them like one half, after, one half hour after their meals where there's a gastrocolic reflex, and then toileting them every two hours during the day will keep them from having incontinence, hopefully. If they insist on doing something or going somewhere, agree, but then it will be done a little later. So yes, we're going to do the bath first, then we're going to go home again. Accommodate their behavior. Don't control the behavior. Try giving them a simple but purposeful task like sorting laundry. Manage restlessness with activity. Reduce overstimulation and distractions. Having that big birthday party may make them incredibly agitated. It may be easier to just have, you know, a few people that they recognize over. And, you know, when they say, I'm done, and my mother used to get up in the middle of dinner and say, I'm done, I'm done. It was too much stimulation, too much activity for her. Work with where the person is at. If they insist something happened, find a way to move the conversation to a preferable outcome. Do not argue. You do not need to be right. Join their reality and move it in a preferred direction. One of my patients would constantly have a hallucination of a dark figure sitting in the upper ceiling corner of her room, and it frightened her. There was nothing I was going to say to tell her that that figure isn't there. It's like, you know, you looking outside and seeing your car and saying, my car isn't there. That image is there for her. So I said to her, well, actually, that is somebody who's there to protect you, somebody who's watching over you and making sure that you're safe. And after I said that, it didn't bother her at all. Distract and redirect is the easiest way to overcome stubbornness, resistance, and agitation. If they are caught on one thing and they want to go through that, that line of questioning, what time, what time, what time, distract them and say, oh my, look at this, or put on some music and then get their mind off that track and onto a track that is more favorable. Agitation and anxiety may due to, be due to pain, infection, lack of sleep, medication, hunger, thirst. It could be precipitated by confusion, loss of control, and they don't know what to do or where to be. Aggression may be precipitated by an inability to express themselves. So you have to look into what caused this. What was going on when they had this bout of anxiety, this bout of agitation, this bout of aggression? Is there something that stimulated them in the environment? It may not be something in the environment. It may be internal thought. But try to figure out what it is so you get them off that path. 
decrease the stimulation in their environment, decrease the noise, the clutter, the number of people in the room. Try to keep everything in the same place. Keep a routine. Avoid stimulants and alcohol. Play their preferred music or whole tones or soothing or classical music, even at very low levels that they can't hear, that will still have an effect. You could try aromatherapy and essential oils and lavender and lemon are known to reduce agitation. And so massaging their feet with an essential oil, the feet have large pores on them. They can absorb these oils into the body and calm them down. You can massage their hands too. Avoid restraining people. Think about it. If you were tied down and you were scared, you would become much more agitated, much more anxious. So it's better to let them walk it out if they have to walk it out or give them an activity that they can burn off some of that excess energy. Acknowledge what they are saying. Say, I hear you. Repeat what they say and then change the direction. Again, distract and redirect. And you can always offer them a snack. With one of my patients with very agitated dementia, the wife said the only thing that kept him from you know, going into full tantrum was giving him York peppermint patties. And she would have this whole stack when she went to visit him. And if he got agitated, she handed it to him and it would immediately break that mood. He'd get excited about the snack, eat it and be fine. If they have repetitive speech and questions, give simple response. You don't need to explain. You can reinforce that they're safe, reinforce they're okay. Engage them in an activity or song. Don't discuss plans until immediately before the event or they're going to be stuck on this, worrying about it. When are we going? When are we going? You can make a sign that addresses frequently asked questions. With one of my patients, I wrote a note that said, you have problems with your memory. Your daughter is taking care of you. She is keeping you safe. She's doing a great job. Listen to her. And she, and she had it laminated. And she said, every time he started fighting her, she would, and I signed it, she would give him the, the little note and he would read it through. And he said, well, if my doctor said it, it must be true. And that's all she needed to do for him. And if they have also, uh, you can recognize behaviors that have a need. So if they are pulling on their clothing to go to the bathroom, that's a cue for you. Or if they're looking around for something, you know, ask them, what are you looking for? They may be looking for something to eat. If they have paranoia, do not take it personally. You know, and, and so with some patients, you have to warn them, warn people coming into the house. They're going to accuse you of stealing things. They're going to accuse you of these things. We know that. Don't get worried about it. Only let them keep a small amount of money or play money or an expired credit card because they will lose it. Look for their hiding places for objects. Discuss the missing object, then distract them if they are looking for something. You will find shoes in the icebox. You will find purses in somebody else's room. And with my mother, she was always going into other people's room, bringing their clothes into her room and her clothes into their room. 
and then wondering where her clothes were. So you just work with them and say, we can always get a new one, or we are looking for it right now, but let's do this first. Try nonverbal reassurances like gentle touch, calming words. When you touch them, make sure that you are not coming out of nowhere, like touching their back or their shoulder without them seeing you. It might startle them. So, you know, always reach out to the hand and, you know, let them know what you are doing so they don't get nervous or scared. If they are sundowning, this is what happens later on in the day. And babies do this. It's the, you know, that, that witching hour of when it starts to get dark. And there's actually something that happens in the brain that makes it harder for them to interpret things. So think about it, like somebody in a nursing home or somebody in a hospital, and they're having this confusion state, and then they hear the the binging of their IV pole indicating, you know, that little chime bell indicating something's wrong or there's an air bubble or something, and they don't know what that chime means. So their brain tries to make sense of it, and it says, that might be an alarm. Oh my God, it's a fire alarm. It's a fire alarm and I have to get out of here. And they're climbing out of bed and they're trying to get out because there's a fire. So this is what sundowning is like. So what you want to do is increase their activities during the day and physical activity during the day. So they're going to be more fatigued and they're not going to be as active. You want to keep their napping to less than 15 minutes. You don't want them to get a real restful sleep during the day if if they have trouble sleeping at night. Give them a light meal with protein or healthy fat before bedtime so their uh, sugar levels remain stable. Give them structured quiet time during the later hours. You know, not as much agitation. And turn the lights on before sunset and close the curtains at dusk to minimize the shadows. For eating, have routine eating patterns. If they are continually hungry, they may actually be thirsty because we can't tell the difference between thirst and hunger. So only give them, and this is what I've frequently recommended for my patients who overeat, is during a mealtime, only give them half of the meal. And then when they're hungry later, give them the other half. So they still get the food, but they're not getting two full meals. Reduce distractions during mealtime. Give them as much independence in feeding as possible. If they have trouble cutting up their foods, give them finger foods. If they have trouble spilling, giving them a sippy cup. And this is with anything in their life, to give them as much independence as they can handle at that stage. Don't make them passive before they need that activity done for them. Choose nutritious foods, not empty calories. They usually eat less at night, so the big meal is at breakfast or lunch. Don't try to feed them a big meal at dinner. For hygiene, they may need cueing for activities. Frequently, they'll want to wear the same outfit every single day. So what you do is you buy several outfits that are identical. And as soon as you take that one off, you put it away in the hamper and you show them the new one. My mother would wear the same. She would dig out 
that sweater from the hamper that I put her on with all the stains on it. They need a routine. Try to keep previous preferred bathing routines. They may need to only bathe twice a week. They may not like to be naked. So get clothing to uh, bathe with or use a towel. And they have these apron type of tops and stuff that they can wear so you can clean underneath so they don't have to be exposed. Monitor the temperature of the room, the lighting, the safety features, non-slip, grab bars, shower seat. Handheld showers are easy and never leave them unattended. If hair washing is difficult, you can do it separately or use a dry shampoo. You can do a towel bath. For clothing, choose loose-fitting, comfortable with easy zippers or snaps. Set out one set of clothing and remove the dirty clothing. Use clothing that closes in the back if they have a tendency to undress. And take care of yourself. Martyrdom helps no one. Take care of yourself, then your loved one. Get help. Join support groups. Eat, sleep, exercise, have alone time. Incredibly important to have a good sense of humor. And get the legal papers in place, the durable power of attorney, the advanced directives, and discuss this with other pertinent family members. Designate a spokesman. Make copies of these documents and be prepared to show them at each hospital or clinical visit. And there's several resources that I always recommend. One is The 36-Hour Day by Mason Rabins. It's a book, very easy to read. And you can open just to the chapter that you need, like refuses to bathe. Check out your local area agency on aging or the local chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. If you're in California, the California Caregiver Resource Center. And there's also a family care navigator, uh, caregiver.org, that's online too. And of course, Cheryl, you have amazing resources for people too. That's great. I mean, there's such helpful years of experience, you know, that you've just shared with us. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for joining us. At AgeSage, our aim is to equip you with resources to navigate life's challenges, empower you to make critical choices with your aging loved ones, and enrich your life with a renewed sense of self-worth, self-confidence, and peace of mind. I want to take a moment to ask you to rate, review, and recommend this podcast. Age Sage is a new podcast that we created just for you, but no one will know about it if our listeners don't spread the word. So please take a moment now to review it and share it with friends whom you know would benefit from it. If you have a burning question that you would like me to answer on the show, please head over to agesage.co and leave me a voicemail. There you will also find detailed show notes for each episode, and you can download my free ebook, Advocating for Aging Loved Ones. Once again, that's agesage.co, A-G-E-S-A-G-E dot C-O. This is Dr. Cheryl Matthew, and I want to thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to sharing this journey with you.